0: The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning. In case you weren't here last week or you did not hear the news, the big news we had to announce last week was that, praise the Lord, we are now debt-free, completely debt-free on our facility. We thank the Lord for that. There's been some questions, well, what are we going to do now? Because much of what was given, half of what was given through the MOVE offering uh, went to support commitments that we've made to missions around the world. And we'll continue to have uh, that offering on a a -a twice-a-year basis. The next one's coming in December. And and what I'm encouraging people to do at uh, not do what I do, but uh, the Lord has laid it on our heart. We're, we're used to giving that above and beyond of our in our ties, and w- my wife and I are just going to shift that to missions because God has called us uh, to mission as a church locally and around the world. So be in prayer about that uh, offering that's coming in December and how the Lord would have you participate in that. Uh, my voice is back, and so I'm glad for that. I told somebody I just can't get excited this morning or I might lose it, but let me start. Will you help me out with A little bit. I want to do some responsive reading with you, and it relates to the message this morning from 1 John chapter 2. As John begins to really highlight to us what the main thing is, Uh, so often I find that we major on the minor. Is anybody like me, you major on the minor rather than keeping focused? Well, John's going to bring our attention to this, some sayings that we have in our culture that relate to that, and I'm going to start it, and I want to ask you to finish. So when we say, don't sweat the, ah, good, Uh, you can't see the, the forest for the trees, we major on the, don't cry, spilt milk, there you go, keep the main thing, I'm a little bit uncomfortable this morning because I I wore a t-shirt and I'm not used to wearing t-shirts to church, right, Um, but, but I I think it's a great example and some of you may have noticed that I wore a t-shirt and maybe you're like, what's he doing with a t-shirt on in church? And, uh, this is what I'm doing with a t-shirt on in church. Love God, love people. By the way, a cheap plug for Ricky Skaggs, I got this at his concert. (laughs) (laughs) You see, sometimes if you're like me, I, I, I have my opinions on things and they're very important and they should be important to everybody else, Right? But I find myself as a believer, as a Christ follower, often focusing on the minor rather than the major. And John's going to bring our attention to this in 1 John because it has everything to do with this this statement on my my shirt to love God and and love people. And he's going to say, folks, this is the main thing. Get your eyes off of the minor things, focus on the main things as Jesus has taught us. So, follow along with me as I begin reading in verse 3 of chapter 2, where John writes this. He says, this is how we know that we know Him. Uh, he, he uses this phrase a lot, that we know Him, not just know about Him, but, but that we know Him. Later, he uses a, a kind of a different twist on the on the phrase of knowing Him, and he says, if we are in Him... So to know Jesus is to know Him that we are in Him and He is in us. It's, it's more than just knowing about Jesus. But when we come to that place where we've repented and we've, we've committed to follow Him and He comes and, and He changes us, He transforms us, we call that being born again, that we know Him and there's nothing like knowing Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? I used to know about Jesus, but man, when I came to know Jesus, He transformed my life, and He's continuing to transform my life and and change me in ways that I could never change myself. And He'll do the same in your life as well. And He says, this is how we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. So the evidence there is that for us, as we look at our lives, we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. I love John. He doesn't flower it up, does he? He just point blank says, now if I called you a liar this morning, I'd be looking for a job tomorrow, right? But John says, man, listen, if you don't keep his commands and you act like you know him, I'm telling you, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. Don't don't miss this. Look at what John says again. He says, truly, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God is made complete. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that when we came to know Christ, he spread his love abroad in our hearts. So I can't say, well, I can't love that person. Why? Because the Holy Spirit resides in me. If you're born again this morning, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And God has poured His love abroad in our hearts so that we know Him and we're fully made complete, He says. So in the gospel, in that knowing God, the complete expression of that is love. He says, this is how we are in Him The one who says that he remains in him should walk just as he walked. So the question is, how do I keep his commands? And John says, you're to walk just as he walked. How do I keep his commands? Is it a list I post in my refrigerator? No. He says the way you keep his commands is you look at Jesus and and you see how he walked and and you become a follower of him. and, And in those instances that you don't walk as he walked, you say, God, change me so that I might walk like Jesus walked. It's that process of growing. Can I clue you in on something this morning? Some of you came to know Jesus and you thought automatically you were supposed to just be that way. Be like Him. No, it's a growth process. We're not where we were, thank God, through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. He transforms and changes us, but it doesn't stop. You see, the believer should never stop growing. We should never buy the t-shirt and say, that's it. But there's that process, and and, and particularly this morning we're talking about love. And then he, he begins to write in verse 7, he says, dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command. In other words, I'm not writing you a, a new command that, that is uh, qualitatively new. It's, it, it's an old command that, that you've heard. You, I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard, but an old command that you have heard from the beginning. The old command is the word that you've heard, verse 8, yet I am writing to you a new command. Now, does anybody just get freaked out of that? I'm not writing you a new command, but I am writing you a new command. John, make up your mind. Is it a new command or is it no command? What is it? We're going to see in just a minute. He says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says that he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness even until now. They're remaining there. But the one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Holy Spirit of God, would you... Use your word to penetrate our hearts this morning, God, that, Lord, we would certainly be obedient to you, to follow your commands. And, and Lord, even this greatest command that you yourself have spoken, that we love you, God, with all of our heart, and, and we love others even, even as we love ourselves. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody asked the question, how, how, how can you tell if someone is a Christian, how can you tell us someone's a Christ follower? We have a lot of things that we make up in our culture that help us to identify, or we say identify as what a cross follower is. In some, in some circles, it's how high you can jump, and in some circles, it's what Bible you carry. Is it the right translation, or is it large enough? And in, in some places, it's how well you attend the services. In some places, it's how much you give. But can I tell you that that the Word never gave us any of those indications that that, that is the, the mark and identity of a Christ follower. But opposite of that it really tells us that, that the identity of a Christ follower, one whose life has been transformed, the high mark of that is that they have love for one another and others. Jesus said this in John chapter 35, chapter 13, verse 35. He says, "By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love what?" <laughs> the mark. That if we love as Jesus has loved is, is the qualifying factor in that. That by that it's evidence that we are a Christ follower and He has enabled us to love. As a matter of fact, the, the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul writes in Galatians, he says the very first thing that's evident in that, but the fruit of the Spirit is what is, uh, Let's try that again. The fruit of the Spirit is... It precedes all of the other. As Some say that the other come out of first love. I'm not sure how best to interpret that, but I, I, can, I can clearly see that he says that the fruit of the Spirit, if you and I have the Spirit of God living in us, there's going to be love. I love the way John writes. He uses a lot of contrast. In this particular passage, he contrasts love and hate, for us to understand what he's saying. He contrasts darkness with light. He contrasts, we walk with or we do not walk with. He contrasts in his book, knows and does not know. He uses the contrast of sin and righteousness. And the reason John is writing this is not so that you and I can walk around and try to identify whether or not someone is a Christ follower, but it's for us to say, am I a Christ follower? It causes us to cause me this week to examine my life in this area of love. And I had to ask the question Am I exhibiting as a Christ follower in the way that I love others, as Blake said last week? By the way, didn't Blake bring a great message last week? I told Blake, I said, You know, the two best messages I've heard you preach are the ones I've called you or texted you on Saturday morning and said, You're on tomorrow. Uh, but it's a great word from from John chapter first, John chapter five. But but he uses these contrasts, and he's calling us to e- examine our lives to see whether or not we're the faith, or to see whether or not we're following Christ as a Christ follower. You you see, a true believer. While it's true we can cross over the line and sin, he's already told us that right in his letter. But the one who is a Christ follower, the one who has the Spirit of Christ residing in them cannot remain in that sin without, at the minimum, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their lives, right? You see, that's an evidence that we're born again. When, when we sin, when we hate rather than love, he says, hey, Dumbo, J-Mo, he calls me Dumbo. I don't know what he calls you. You're, you're not... Acting like a Christ follower because there's hate in your heart. There, no, oh, Lord, forgive me. I repent. Okay, so there's that that whole thing that works out. So he, he begins in, in again in verse seven of, of stating an old command. Let me read it again. What he says, dear friends, I'm not writing. I am not writing you a new command, but an old command. The word that's used here is is a word that says, look, th- it's it's not a it's not a new qualitative command. In other words, there aren't quality to this. It's just a command that, that was given in the Old Testament. It's a command when Jesus was asked of all the commandments, which ones are the greatest? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, he said, can be summed up in these two. I often tell people I, I've learned not to major on the minors because I haven't gotten this one down yet. When I get this one down, then, then I'll major on the minors. Maybe or maybe I just need to major on this. Maybe you need to just major on this. It's a repeated command that was given first in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, where, where God told the Israelites, He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus says again in John 13, he says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. But then he jumps down in verse 8, and this is where it can kind of get confusing. For me, he says, Yet I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you. Wow, a new command. Well, what's changed why is it all of a sudden this old command? Why is this new command a new command? And the reason is, is because it is found as we are in Him. Notice that. As you see, before the command was just given love God and love others. But now that you've come to know Christ, you love God and you love others. In Him. In other words, there's a difference that's been made in your life that you've come to know Him that now you can love others and love others in the way that Jesus loved others. You, you, you with John here? And Jesus lived that out and he, and he pointedly used illustrations as He was going along with His disciples to try to show them what this, this new new level of love was. In other words, how how do you love others this way? Do you remember the story where... where Mary is there at the feet of Jesus, and not his mother Mary, but Mary, and she's there in the room. This, I'm getting feedback on this. She's there in the room, and, and all the Pharisees are around, and, and, and she comes to Jesus, and she pours that very expensive jar of, of perfume, and, and she begins to wipe his feet and wash his feet with the tears that fell from her eyes and her hair, the most precious possession of a woman, at least it is my wife. She spends a load of money on it, Right? And the Pharisees stand there and say, if he only knew what kind of a woman she was, she wouldn't allow him to. He knew what kind of a woman he was, and this is what he's showing. Listen, this is the expression of love that even when you know what kind of person they are, you love them anyway. Luke records an account for us where Jesus and his disciples are, are traveling back to Jerusalem and, and Jesus says, hey, send, send messages throughout Samaria and the towns and let them know that I'm, that I'm coming through, that I'm, I'm going to be coming through there and so that they'll prepare a way. And, and when they get to those little towns, they, they didn't welcome Jesus and they didn't welcome his disciples because he was determined to go to Jerusalem When the disciples, James and John, saw this and I noticed this is the same John that's writing this now. When they saw that these folks in Samaria, and, and while we would say, well, the whole thing with Samaritans, he's teaching grace. No, he's not. What he's teaching is that if we're going to be a Christ follower, we love those who do not follow Christ. We love those who hate Christ. Can I get an amen on that? They hated Jesus. They they. Rep- against him. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So, when James and John saw this, they, 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 they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? Some of you posted stuff like that on Facebook this week. Oh, me or oh, my. You see, here's the qualitative way that, that you're to love those who hate me. Probably one of the greatest parables that we know of, the the parable of the Good Samaritan, he used that for a purpose. They were ungodly. They were anti-God folks. And, And the time that Jesus goes there to that place in Samaria with his disciples, and there's the woman that's there, the woman at the well, and he approaches her and she was shocked. That this Jewish rabbi would even engage in conversation with her. And she turns the conversation to religion. You know, we say we're to worship here. The Jews say, and Jesus says, hey, I'm telling you, that doesn't matter. What God's looking for are those who worship me in spirit and in truth. And, and in that, in that, she begins to talk about the one that she's with now. And Jesus goes right to the heart. Now, notice Jesus didn't just gloss over sin, Right? She was living in an adulterous relationship. And Jesus pointed that out to her. And, but, but then Jesus says, listen, I've given you water from this well that will quench your thirst. Or Jacob has given you this water that will quench your thirst. But I'm telling you, there's a living water that I need to give to you that if you have it, you will never thirst again. And see, the message there for us is that there are folks living in our culture in a way that are just ungodly, and it may repulse us, but Jesus calls us to give them living water that will never, never, never run dry. Amen? Thank you. I was reading a book this last week by Philip Yancey. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but the title of the book is Vanishing Grace. And he shares a story of of a friend of his, Henry Nguyen, who had gone and spent a week in an AIDS clinic in San Francisco to to minister there in the AIDS clinic. And as he was there during the week ministering to these individuals who either through intravenous use or uh, homosexual lifestyle had contracted AIDS, and he's ministering there to them... He begins to hear stories from them, and, and in, the, in the midst of that, those stories that they were sharing, it became very clear to him that without fail, each one of them had a story that contained that they were looking for something that would satisfy, a love that would satisfy, and the enemy came in and offered something that was a perversion, and they grabbed hold of that, they suffered the consequences of it, but he goes away, and he says this. The big thing that happened in his life that week was that he came with a prayer, and he said, God, help me to see others not as my enemies or as ungodly, but rather as thirsty people, and give me the courage and the compassion to offer your living water, which alone quenched deep thirst. Would that be our prayer? You see, every human being has been created in the image of God they have been separated from God as a result of sin. And it's not our place to judge them and to hate them. It's our place to share with them living water, the same living water that was shared with us when we came to know Christ. Amen? Can I tell you something? None of us came to Christ this morning or Maybe somebody needs to come to Christ this morning, but none of us came to Christ at whatever point in our life that we did, because there was something good in us, because there was something that attracted God to us, that there was something that was of value to us. No, we were separated from God, and God in His love and His mercy drew us to Him, and our eyes were open, and we came to taste and drink of that living water, and our lives were transformed. Amen. I said I wasn't going to get excited this morning, but I can't help it. It's a new command a qualitative command that he gives. Now, now notice here in in the last part of verse 8, there's kind of a cause and effect that happens. He says, "...because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining." And he's relating this to this this command, this qualitative way of loving in the way that Jesus did. And he says, listen, guys, listen, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But John already in his letter has, has, has equated this light to truth. And that now here he's equating this light to love. And if, if, we, if we have the light, then we have the truth of who he is. Now, the light is love. And what John's telling us is that they're, they're now because you've come into a relationship with Christ things are going to change. There's going to be a cause. And the cause is the reason that things begin to change in our life is that Christ, the light, has come into our hearts. Now, notice what he says the effect is here in this. The effect is, is that darkness will pass away. Now, ultimately, it's not going to pass away completely until the second coming. We understand that. But as we walk in the light and love as He loved, there's that transforming process in our life. There's that sanctification, and there's that growing in love that we will have for others in that. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I asked the question, how are we as the Christian community. How are we as Christ followers to respond in a culture that is dramatically changing very fast? Very often, it's it's tempting to to respond to that culture with the the same kind of spirit and hate and v- atrocity. Is that the right word? You know what I mean? Somebody posts something, and 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 I'm like, "Mm, mm, mm," right, right, and post. Now that doesn't mean that I don't speak truth. Never compromise the truth. But it means as a Christ follower, I come in the spirit of Christ. I come in the opposite spirit. I come in the spirit of love. Some people will know we're followers of Christ if we have love for one another. Not if I spout my opinion and views about stuff. Nobody cares about that, right? I'm not getting on to anybody in particular. I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying this. I'm just saying, church. The way that we express to a lost world is to love, not holding back the truth, but to speak the truth in love in that. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. But I'm afraid, folks, that that if we don't get this, we've discovered that the tactics... Don't work. Most of the tactics just seem to draw Christians from other churches to our church because we have a better show. But the reason that we're seeing a decline in our nation, in particular in our denomination, I think, is because we major on the minors, and the major here that he said is follow Jesus and love like Jesus loved. not that the other things are not important. I hope you hear my heart. He contrasts this light and darkness. Verse 9, he says, the one who says that he's in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. Interesting word that's translated here, hate. It, it, it has the, the, the meaning that carries the idea to detest, persecute, or to love less. That if we Love less if we persecute or we detest another person, John's saying then we're hating them, and if we're professing to be believers, then we're just lying. Let me put the pronoun I. God really did a number in me this week. Three other ways that that there are Greek words that are translated hate need to be understood here. Because sometimes we get the idea that we're not hating, but, but oftentimes I am. Another word that's translated hate means to, to, to put away from, to draw a line and say, I'm not going near that person or that kind of person. It's, it's translated hate. Another way that the word is translated late, a different word, to insult with words meant to inflict pain. <laughs> I used to do this all the time as a kid, and you did too. It sure is an ugly dress. Yeah, well, you're so ugly that your mama has to put a leash on you because all the other dogs want to come up to you and pet you. You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, I'm going to say something back more to inflict harm and pain, right? That's that's the idea of hate. Another word is to cast out, to expel something from the body. Can I tell you what that is? That's vomit to cast that person out. And, and we might say, we're not guilty of hate. And Jesus said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you say you've not murdered your brother. You, you but I'm telling you that if you've hated them in your heart, all of these would apply, then you are guilty of murder. So we're all in the same boat. We've all hated, right? We've all lied to some degree, haven't we, right? We've all been adulterers to some degree, right, whether it's an emotional thing or whatever. And listen, so what right do we have? God saved us in His grace. The truth is still the truth. But regardless of where that person's living, listen, God has called us to be salt and light to penetrate that so that they might come to know Him and walk in Him just as we did. Verse 10, he says, The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Interesting word here, stumbling. I've preached on this. It means to, it's, it's a word that that we get our English word scandal from, and it's a bait stick where you, you put a trap for an animal and, and you put the food on the trap, and, and when the animal grabs that stick, he pulls the stick away and he's trapped in the box. And Jesus is, uh, John's saying here, Listen, listen. If you love the one who remains and loves his brother and sister, then there is no cause for stumbling in him. Can I tell you this? That oftentimes, when I when I exhibit most hate for people, is 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 when I I, I want to take offense to something they've said or something they've done. Oftentimes, it's. I take offense to a deeply held value that I have and and even a biblical value. So it's a right value to have, right? But I take offense when I hate the person who's expressing that and I get that stick caught in my mouth and I am trapped in an offense. Love. Let me conclude. Verse 11, he says, But the one who hates his brother or sister is in darkness, walks in darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When we walk in hate, we become disoriented, we become blind. When when there's hate, We can so easily make decisions out of hate rather than decisions out of truth and what God tells us to do. You see, hate is such a blinding thing. Hate will cause us not to be able to see the forest for the trees. Would you ask the Holy Spirit right now in closing? Holy Spirit. Is there any person, is there any group of persons that I hate? It it doesn't mean that I've got to adopt their views. It doesn't mean that, that I have to embrace their ungodly views. But Lord, have I taken up an offense and now I'm trapped in that hate and I can no longer love? Would you ask the Holy Spirit that question? I did this week, and there were some individuals that, not just individual groups, that God spoke to my heart about, and I had to spend some time on my knees just repenting and asking God to change my heart that I might walk in the Spirit and love even as He has loved. As we sing this closing song, what I would like to ask you to do this morning in response to whatever it is the Holy Spirit has shown you is to repent. It's an old-fashioned word. We think it's only sinners that need to come to repentance who have never trusted Christ. But can I tell you, there's not a day that goes by in our life. I don't care how long you've known Jesus, that it's not necessary to repent. John's calling us to repent this morning. To keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's to love It gives us the right to speak truth when we come in love. You can respond one or two ways this morning. You can either remain where you are, but respond. Ask God to, to change. Ask Him to forgive. Ask, tell Him you're willing to repent, to change your mind and, with His enabling. Or you can come to the altar this morning and pray. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.